Make this Christmas memorable with Goat Guns. Get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection. From historical classics to modern weapons, we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast. Surprise your loved ones with the gift of Goat Guns, the perfect blend of quality and detail. Shop now and spread the joy at GoatGuns.com. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Brian McComick about his upcoming book, Humanity in the Workplace, a blueprint for building an inclusive and equitable company culture. Brian McComick, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much, John. I'm delighted to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. Where are you joining us from today? Today, I'm joining from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which has actually been consistent for a little while because I was one of the nomads during the pandemic. So it's nice to have like a place to call home again. Yeah, that's wonderful. Having a home is wonderful, though I also am jealous of the nomad life. I kind of had this desire to to buy a sprinter van and just roam the country and, and stay wherever I, I happen to be. But anyways, that's another topic for another day. Uh, wonderful to be with you. I'm really pleased to have the opportunity to talk about DEI stuff, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how to create a human-centered workplace. Of course, that's what your book is all about. Um, and that's what we'll be unpacking and discussing together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Brian's bio with everybody. Brian McComick is a diversity and inclusion consultant, speaker, author, and facilitator with over 20 years of experience in D&I, HR, company culture, change management, internal communications, and employee experience. He is the founder and CEO of Hummingbird Humanity, a consulting firm that cultivates and champions inclusive workplace cultures and human-centered leadership. He is also the author of Humanity in the Workplace, a blueprint for building an inclusive and equitable company culture, which was released in 2022. Again, a pleasure to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my listeners by way of your background before we launch in? Sure. The first thing we should, I, we need to give you an updated bio on the release date. So uh, it's, it will be released actually in Q1 of 2023. Um, it was, uh, the original plan was to release it this year. And uh, I realized I wanted to do a little bit more work on the manuscript. Uh, so um, it'll be out in Q1 of 2023. So stay tuned for more, you know, for updates on that, for all of you listening. And we'll, we'll talk more about later how you can uh, fo- follow those updates and and buy the book in a, in a few months. Well, I know uh, writing a book is a big process and getting it to completion and actually 
um, getting it out there. It's a big step. So I, I get it. And I get taking your time and making sure you have everything just the way you want it. So that's fantastic. And again, it's a great topic. So I'll be anxiously awaiting uh, the release of this book. You know what? I, I want to embody the human-centered leadership philosophy because I gave such a, a good answer there. I was like, I wanted to do a little bit more work on the book, which is which is true. Um from the side of vulnerability, uh, which I think is, you know, something that is so important for leaders today. Um, one of the things I learned is I um, have sort of pushed back on the release date because I'm a little nervous about people reading my book. Uh, I'm excited to bring it to life and uh, and certainly am, am really proud of the, the, the message and I hope it makes an impact. Um, and uh, I've had to like say like, Find that bravery um, in um, and, and letting others uh, read that, you know, the, the book, um, the manuscript, which will become a book and um, the stories that I have to share there. So, um, you know, I, and and I love that that's, you know, the, the the conversation we're having today is about how do we bring those conversations to the workplace? Because I went to like my corporate training there for a second, which is we're going to make this sound like there was a plan behind it. And the plan was Brian was a little scared. Thank you. Thank you for that honesty. I, and I think anyone who who writes or or produces anything creative and sends it out into the world uh, for consumption uh, understands that feeling, (laughs) but you never quite know how things are going to be received. And it's, you're always vulnerable when you do that. Uh, So thank you for sharing that. And it's, it's a good model for anyone listening. Uh, It's okay to lean into our, our concerns and and we we all have things we're scared of and that's fine. Uh, That's part of the human condition. Uh, We learn to navigate that. And ultimately, you take that step into the darkness and you, you, you have courage and bravery and you, you, you get that book out into the world. And I'm sure it'll be well received and it'll be a fantastic contribution. So thank you, Brian. All right. So let's talk about some of the paradigms that you're exploring in your book that you talk about in your consulting work uh, around workplace diversity uh, and, and what you think might be hindering progress in that space. <clears throat> As with any puzzle or challenge like this, we I, we can tackle it from a, a few different lenses. So I'll I'll, um, I'll start with one lens around um, the 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 messages that we all received um, in corporate life of what we should and shouldn't bring with us. And so we just talked about one of those messages. And the way that I like to 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 frame it is. Uh, I, my first career was in movie theater operations. So I worked in, in a field um, operations environment, which tend to, doesn't tend to have the same um, rules as corporate life. And so I got to be a real human there. And um, my, you know, my best friends, I worked with them and, um, and we were real humans together. The first day I walked into a corporate office, um, nobody told me that I should, what I say is take off my coat of emotions, but I knew I was supposed to. Um, My friend Anne says, she she calls it having to take off your human suit. So you sort of take off the human suit and become this robot that has to fill all these boxes and expectations and do all these things. And... um, you know, that isn't helpful. Like the reality is we are humans and we, we do bring um, our emotions with us and our lived experiences with us. And what we also know is that um, lived experiences are, um, and the, 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 there's systemic oppression that impacts people based on their lived experience. And we need to understand those experiences. So if we, if we pretend all that humanity is outside of the four walls, then we've missed the point of, of how we can make our organizations thrive. Uh, because what I do believe is as well is if you ask any leader, what's the most critical 
component of your organization or, or part of your organization. It's the people that work there. So how do you help them um, be a really um, have an environment where they can do their best work and be their best selves? So, you know, so there's that, there's that one, one perspective and there's certainly lots of lenses around the impacts on the people there um, and, and in the cultures that we've had in organizations in the past. And so I offer some, some ways to sort of rethink the, the cultural um, uh, aspects of organizations and focus on the heart and soul. Um, so that's sort of one bucket. The, another one that I'll highlight um, and and then we can you know see if there's others you'd like to explore is the I think the the I'll, I'll use the I'll t- continue with the heart and soul message there. Uh, so I talked about it from an individual perspective and how it's affecting us individually. Well, organizations, what I believe um, we ha- we need to find ways to engage our heart and soul from a, an organizational design perspective and a focus on um, how. Um, uh, what are the, what are the strategic imperatives and the initiatives and the energy behind that? Um, and I think what's happened over the last twenty years, twenty five years, is HR as a function has really become a human capital function um, and is focused on driving business impact, which is great. I'm all for that. I was an HR person for many years. And I love the evolution of HR as driving business impact. What I think we lost in that equation is some of the humanity um, and the, the the heart and soul that HR professionals were caretaking around. Um, and not to say that that doesn't still happen in some workplaces around the globe. And, and I, you know, I want to give credit to all of the HR people who do the, the important and challenging work they do every day. Um, but I, I think that we have an opportunity to reimagine um, at the, that the, the role of HR and potentially a new role um, or function that, in, that focuses on the heart and soul or purpose, which would include DEI and well-being and um, philanthropy and volunteerism or social impact, which is how we call that. So, um, so I think there's some organizational things and then there's some cultural things um, that, um, and that's what the book's all about. I, I completely agree. So on the one hand, there's been this move towards metrics and people analytics and building the business case around HR, the HR function and all of that, because it's the, the corporate speak, right? It's, it's, it's what people in other areas, that's the language that they understand. Uh, So I often talk about when I have these kind of conversations on the podcast or with other people or in my own consulting work, you know, I have the conversation around, you know, there's the business case for why we do things. And that's important to lay out to make sure it's clear to everybody uh, but there's also the human case, and we mm-hmm. we should also be very clear about the human case. Uh, and they they usually go together, right? You usually, if you if you focus on the well being of your people, and in this case, you know, we're talking about DEI stuff, but any sort of well being of your people, that's going to drive better bottom line outcomes for the organization. So the two go hand in hand, and I think in a lot of people's minds, a lot of executives who may not come from uh, the HR kind of background or the people management background, they, they often see it as a dichotomy. Like you either focus on the bottom line or you work on, or you work and focus on your people. And I think the research bears out that that's just not true. When you focus on your people and the human case behind it, it'll also feed into the business case and you'll help everyone succeed and win. And so I, I just think bringing the human component back into it is really, really important. And that's something we can't talk about enough, I think. Um, especially in this day and age of data analytics and AI driven decision-making and, and some of those types of things. 
Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, I have a, one of the CEOs that I get to work with. Uh, we were having a version of this conversation and, um, what was, what was cool about starting to work with him and his organization is, uh, he already had uh, so many beliefs and uh, that aligned with what we're talking about. For he wanted to create a human-centered environment. Environment that wasn't what he called it, but that's what he was trying to create. And his uh, one of his core leadership beliefs is that um, profit or and revenue is an outcome of what he does to lead the people at the company. So he focuses his energy on um, creating an environment where. The, the people that work there can excel. And uh, I thought that was a really interesting pivot because I think what we, in those meetings, in those you know various rooms and conference rooms and boardrooms, uh, we look at spreadsheets. Uh, so there's numbers on, you know, so a spreadsheet or a PowerPoint deck, and um, we are making decisions about the outcomes. Uh, and that's important. I'm not saying ignore the numbers or, or, um, or don't leverage that information because it's critical. I think what's, what's, maybe has been lost is the, 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 the reality that every single number behind it is a person or a group of humans. And as you're making those decisions, how do you keep those humans in mind? Uh, so I think that's, um, I, I hope we can do more of that. Um, and I do think the, the pandemic has, um, created, uh, room for this conversation to emerge in a, um, in a way that it really wasn't, there wasn't, I don't think as much space for it a few years ago. So, um, you know, in the, in the silver linings, uh, uh, you know, look at the pandemic. That's one of the silver linings for me is that we get to have these conversations and, and hopefully not only will it help the success of companies and businesses, but also that it'll make the world better for people. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, the pandemic really has pushed us that direction. The tight labor market has pushed people in that direction to organizations in that direction. We just have to focus more on the well-being of our people and kind of the emergence of empathy as a core leadership competency. Uh, you know, that's something that certainly was talked about before, but it's been talked about more in the last couple of years than I remember it ever being talked about in the decades prior. So I think that's a win. We have to recognize that people are real people. They're human beings. They have stuff that happens outside of work. Uh, we can't just assume people are going to compartmentalize, you know, the stuff that happens at home uh, and then, you know, like walk through the door and automatically shut all that off. Like that's just not the way we work. That's not the way our brains are. That's not the way our emotions work. Uh, that's not the way stress and anxiety works. It all blends together. And so we just need to have some compassion. We have to have some empathy. We need to recognize and meet people where they're at, support them the best we can. When we do those things, then, you know, our people feel valued. They feel uh, needed, wanted. They feel like they have the opportunity to contribute in meaningful ways that they can be their authentic self in the workplace, so on and so forth. All of that human centeredness, then again, you know, leads to greater productivity, greater efficiency, greater creativity, greater innovation, all those things which lead to better profits, better customer retention, all of those things. So again, it, it all goes hand in hand. And I think the organizations that have leaned into that during the pandemic, uh, they've become employers of choice. And as we have the great resignation, you see people leaving, going other places, uh, looking at, you know, for greener pastures elsewhere. They're flocking to those employers of choice and the ones that haven't embraced it and they kind of screwed over their people or just were pretty, um, pretty callous towards them during the pandemic. They're losing all their good people. And that, now they're, they're floundering, trying to figure out how they can survive. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I think it's, um, it's important I, and I encourage leaders and decision makers to um, uh, as you're making business decisions. Uh, so 
one thing I like to say is I don't really care whether you get to this conversation because you think it's good for your bottom line or it's good for people or it's good for people. It's good for both. Wherever you're starting from, thanks for joining the conversation. Let's do some good work together. Um, and so, you know, for those leaders who didn't focus on the humanity part of this conversation over the last couple of years and are really focused on the business impact and outcomes that that the human centered uh, leadership um, conversation uh, can can emerge the uh the com the, that conversation from the pandemic um uh, that we're talking about here we're talking about from a workplace context the other side of it is people have said life's too short um life's too short to be miserable at a place that i that i don't want to work or that doesn't treat me well and and there are choices and i can move to a different place i can um you know i can be i can join the gig economy so i think workers have a, a much um expanded uh understanding and awareness that they have more of a choice than ever before in where they get to work and uh, what that looks like. Uh, so if you want the best people, you have to create an environment where they want to be. Um, and, uh, and I think that's a, a new, a new lens to think about it through. Uh, I think the, the other part of that I also think is important for leaders to and decision makers to think about is the changing demographics of the world, uh, you know, in, by 2040, the uh, United States population will be uh, predominantly people of color. Uh, so whether you're looking at it from your, your employee base or from your, um, your customer clientele base, the reality is the workplaces that you, we lead today have to change to engage the, the, the evolution of the demographics of our workforce. So if you're, you know, if you're focused on the, the long-term success of your organization, get in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And so all of this feeds into diversity, equity, and inclusion. I've mentioned belonging as well. That's often included in the acronym. Um, so as we think about DEI or DEIB, what are some, and you've already talked about some of the, the old paradigms that are per perhaps harmful or hindering our development. What are some of those mindset shifts that need to happen as we move more towards that people first way, especially for people who are just kind of locked in and embedded in this old way of thinking? How do we disrupt that so they can start to embrace this new approach? I'll share that I have um, perhaps a, well, I have a very specific perspective on how we can move this conversation forward. Um, so I was an HR professional for many years and I was then a DEI professional. And now I combine those skills and experiences and understandings uh, um, into the work that we do at Hummingbird. Uh, when I think about the, the way that DEI has been done um, that, and if this is a perception, there's, this isn't necessarily as with anything, you generalize something that doesn't mean it's true everywhere and every person and every organization, but generally the work that that and the approach to DEI uh, over the years has made people feel bad, um, and it has it has felt accusatory and it has felt blameful, um, and uh, and so then people don't want to engage in that conversation. You're like, well, that didn't feel good. Why do I want to be part of that? So the way that um, and then and the other piece of it is uh, that the DEI focuses really focused on uh, awareness and education. Um, so like you should learn about these other experiences. Well, it's not possible for us to learn about all the things and all the experiences for all the people that that we work with and that, uh, that are in the world around us. So the way that we at Hummingbird try to um, uh, shift the paradigm, and, and we were talking about this um, a moment ago, and you were you, you were highlighting around the the paradigms of inclusive leadership. So it is happening, the conversation happening. I think it, we need to be more clear about it. Uh, so our focus is on how do we develop the skills uh, to be able to see each other in, as our um, as humans um, to identify our shared humanity uh, to then 
use that shared humanity as a catalyst to say, okay, well, John, you and I have different lived experiences. Let's learn about what, what happened in your life. Um, and I think if we can start from we're in this together as humans, and we also have different experiences, that allows space to understand systemic oppression in a different way. Uh, so that's that, that's the, the the real focus of our our the work that we do at Hummingbird. And I hope that that's what we're going to see more of is how um, this work can help the people and organizations uh, have conversations that are building bridges um, and allowing us to see see each other, understand each other, um, uh, and acknowledge the the systems of oppression that impact others. And then when you have that that opportunity to to, to understand um, through a different lens, then you can also then take action um, and um, support the, the 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 change that's a that's in progress. So um, I hope that that's where we go from here. Is we do more of that and um, and and look at the skills and the capabilities and build those muscles that are required for uh, these sensitive conversations. Uh, one other thing I would just mention very quickly there is one of the other tenets of work, workshops that we do uh, around um, that they, they we typically facilitate conversations around DEI topics, but the focus is on the conversation, not the content. And uh, one of the, th- the things we say is, we don't expect you all to agree with that content that you that you, you know, watched or listened to. The goal isn't to agree. The goal is to understand. So that and then to have the ability uh, to um, engage with other humans in a respectful way. And um, we've seen that to be very powerful. So those are those are a couple of things that I, I think are happening, um, and I'd like to see more of. Yeah, and I I like getting away from the guilt and shaming portion, and and maybe that's coming from a place of privilege. We're both white dudes. I'm sure. a, a I'm a straight cisgender white dude, so I get it. Like maybe that's easy for me to say, um, and in part because I've felt that I felt awkward in those conversations, wanting to be an ally, wanting to do the best I can, not being quite sure when it was appropriate for me to even comment or how to comment. So that's hard on the one hand, um, you, if you create a safe place where people can have those conversations without feeling like publicly shamed for, you know, being, uh, you know, racist or a bigot because they say something wrong, um, then that can help facilitate more conversations, which can help people, you know, move along the path, right? So that they can get better at this. They can build those muscles. They can, uh, they can learn the skills of, of having these inclusive types of conversations and interacting in, in meaningful ways. Um, and there, I mean, there are definitely people who are racist, who are bigots. There are definitely people, um, not just microaggressions, not just implicit bias, but people who are, you know, really have issues that, um, harm other people that definitely happens. Uh, but, I do believe that most people are good. Most people are trying to do right by others. And most people, even if they might say something the wrong way, when it comes to just working side by side, someone that they, they value them, they appreciate them and they want to work well with them. And it doesn't matter that their skin color is different or they're a different gender or whatever. Right. I do believe that, but it's hard to get to that place where we can be patient with each other, where we can be understanding of each other, where we can give people space to learn and grow. Um, So that's like on the one hand, on the other side, I might come at this a bit differently if I was, you know, say a member of the LGBT community, a black woman of color, something like that, you know, where it's, I have, you know, 
not embedded privilege, but I have systems of oppression that have been holding me down throughout my life, I might approach this and not even say what I just said. Uh, so I get that too. And that that's part of the hard conversation and part of why I think what you were saying is important that we don't need to agree completely on this, but we do need to agree to, to hold space for people to express themselves, to be civil with each other and to try to help each other move along the path. And if we can do that, I think we can get there. I really do. I am optimistic and I'm hopeful for, you know, the human spirit. I think most people want to do right by others. Most people want uh, to work in a place of harmony. (laughs) Most people want uh, to, to treat other people well, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate everything you've just shared. And uh, I I realized one of the things that that I haven't done in this conversation is share anything about my identity. So for those of you listening uh, and uh, because you can't see, see me, of course, I I am also a a cisgender white guy uh, like John. Um, I am um, gay. And I also am a person with a disability. I have three invisible uh, disability identities that I, that I live with. And those are stories that I, that I tell um, uh, in um, the spirit of just vulnerability and uh, helping others know that they're not alone. Um, so, but I, you know, I think it's such an important point, John, around, um, the fact that you and I are both cisgender white guys. So it's, so, and I, and I get that sometimes there are people who are in, um, highly marginalized communities. They're like, Brian, you're sort of living in a fantasy land. If you think that's going to change things. Um, and, uh, and that's okay. Like I, I welcome those challenges. I think it's important that we have all voices in this conversation and those people that are, um, leaning into that emotion, whether it's, you know, anger or hurt or pain or whatever it is and saying, I'm going to use my voice and I'm going to, I'm going to name this and I'm going to challenge you. Um, I need those voices in my work as well. Um, I, I think the, 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 the hope that I have with the way that we approach this work at Hummingbird is if we can, if we can shift the conversation and develop the skills um, to, to really have those meaningful conversations, it allows for the, the people that were previously feeling uh, like they were being blamed uh, to be able to to move to a place of now, how can I hear this pain in a different way? And how can I be part of the solution? So that's the, that's, I think really the the goal, although, although I haven't said it that way before. So this conversation as with any conversation, it's always helpful to to continue to think about how are we trying to, 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 to honor the the realities of the impacts of, of the, of systemic oppression and, um, and how are we doing work that's driving change? So um, yeah. So thank you for, for saying all that. I think it's, it's, and particularly, you know, one of the things that's important um, for those, for I think those of us that are white um, and white cisgender um, and men as well is to acknowledge our privilege in these conversations. Cause um, it, it, as much as I have learned, I, the reality is about the impact, the impact of oppression on others, I'm still a white guy and I can't sort of undo all of my experiences and put them aside. So uh, they do influence the way that I see the world. Well, Brian, it has been a pleasure. I know at the time, I love this conversation. We could go on and on and on, but I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. Before we wrap up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work and your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Sure, sure. Um, so, um, the if you'd like to connect with me, the best way to to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Uh, you can just search for Brian McComick, which is M C C O M A K, um, which is a strange spelling for McComick, but uh, just roll with it. Uh, and then Hummingbird Humanity, um, you can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, so um, keep in touch with us, and we have um, uh, we we one of our 
our, our mission at Hummingbird is to amplify the voices of the unheard. Uh, so that is the core to our, everything that we do. Uh, so if you if you join our community, you'll um, receive content and updates from a variety of different voices. Um, it's not centered around me, Brian McCormick, although hopefully you've enjoyed hearing from me today. Um, you know, I think on, on the final word on this topic, uh, you know, what I... Um, uh, hope we can all do is uh, as we continue to take steps forward to create diverse, equitable, and inclusive environments, organizational cultures that where people feel like they belong, um, is that we really do lean into our humanity. Um, and humanity is messy. It's um, it means that I make mistakes and I get things wrong, and it means that sometimes I get to celebrate and have joyous moments. And sometimes I'm dealing with a serious situation, but I need to have a moment of levity to be able to get through it. And um, I think it, I, I just encourage us all to. to embrace our humanity, uh, because I believe that if we do that um, in small ways and big ways, it's going to make a, an impact on um, on the people that work in our companies and on the success of our company. So embrace your humanity, be real, be human. And it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Brian and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. They can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Make this Christmas memorable with Goat Guns. Get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection. From historical classics to modern weapons, we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast. Surprise your loved ones with the gift of Goat Guns, the perfect blend of quality and detail. Shop now and spread the joy at GoatGuns.com.